Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey everyone, welcome to God's Whole Story. My name is Ryan. I'm here today with Chelsea and Betsy. Woo-hoo! Uh, <laughs> Guys, you're in for a treat because all of us, when Betsy came in here, we were like, hey, Betsy's never been on this before. How's that a, a thing? Um, so welcome, Betsy. Thank you. Uh, Thank tell you for us having me. about yourself, what you do here at Worship Center, and why you're awesome. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love my church. I love Worship Center. <laughs> um, no, I am the community group's pastor here, and um, I'm... Yeah, I'm always looking for people to get connected, especially in groups. Um, There's just something so beautiful about being with others and sharing God's word and celebrating each other and connecting. Um, And it's something, yeah, that I'm very passionate about. So I, yeah, that's what I do here. (laughs) I love it. You're great at your job. Oh, thank you guys. (laughs) So today in our reading, we have a couple of very famous stories. We got... Lazarus dying, but not being raised from the dead. We yet. have multiple Lazarus. We have multiple Lazari, so don't be confused. See, sometimes I get Lazari. plural pronunciations right. Well, I don't think that was actually right. <laughs> we'll add that out. <laughs> um, we have the story of the prodigal son, or the lost son, if you're reading NLT. Um, Luke 15 is actually known as the lost chapter because it's actually multiple oh, stories of lost, lost. things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They all have the same. They all have the same goal, mm-hmm. but the lost son actually brings more context. Um, that's good. That's a good fun fact. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Extra credit. <laughs> um, we have the cost of discipleship, and we have a very confusing story that we didn't. I did not prep you guys for my questions about. Um, I am always. Very confused about the story of the shrewd manager. I'm just like, uh, what is Jesus condoning? Is here? it possibly that you're confused about the verse that says, "Use your money to make friends"? Yeah. <laughs> what <laughs> the heck, Jesus? <laughs> Anyone have any answers? <laughs> Why is that the case? Uh, okay, so for context, there's this really strange situation where Jesus tells the story of a terrible manager that's just super shrewd, and he ends up concluding the message by saying, like, uh, what? It's uh, Luke 16. Verse 8, we'll start there. The rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. That seems weird. And (laughs) it is true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of the light. Here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. And those are red letters of Jesus, meaning it came right from his mouth. I mean, the benefit others thing I can get on board with. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I've always seen this, and it is confusing, and I'm, I'm by no means an expert on this story. I've always seen it, because I, me- I remember when I heard about it the first time, a friend of mine was like, you know Jesus said one time, use your money to make friends? I was like, Jesus would never say that. And then it was like, look, <laughs> you read <would> it. never. <laughs> um, some of you may feel that way exactly right now. Um, so I've always seen this as we are on this earth for a very short period of time, Everything that is given to us is given to us by God. Why would we not use those things to pursue kingdom work that certainly would involve, um, I get, you can't see my air quotes, making friends (laughs) with our money. I I don't, that seems more in line with the message of Jesus than like, I don't know, like it has a kingdom end to me. That's, Mm. I don't know. Um, Okay. 
I mean, I accept that. <laughs> you can certainly push back on that because I'm not. I've not thought about this a ton. Um, that's just always been my way of interacting with this story. Right. I mean, and and if you're going to keep it again in context, it goes on to say you can't serve God and be enslaved to money. So he's yeah. obviously not in promoting like using your money to like benefit yourself. Exactly. That's, that's not the thing. Exactly. I just like I the the manager is so like it feels like dishonest. Um which I think actually says that. Yes. The dishonest rascal. I'm just like, why is he why is this being promoted? <laughs> Seems so strange to me. Mm-hmm. Betsy, do you have any thoughts on that? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, again, it's one of those stories where it's just like, oh my gosh, you have to reread it and reread it and reread it. Yeah. Um I yeah, I agree with what um what Ryan was saying, you know? Yeah. Um we don't Whatever God gives us, I think it's an opportunity for us to, you know, be good stewards, but it's not for us. It's for others, you mm-hmm. know? Um, I don't I don't know. I don't know what to say about that one. You That's can, okay. Yeah. I don't know either. Yeah. Jesus, Jesus says weird things. I mean, he says very bizarre things. And actually, if you consider, like, his first initial audience, he says very bizarre things. Because we have the, the benefit of, like, 2,000 years of people saying, wait, it's not that crazy. Mm-hmm. They did not. Um, right. But if you look at the, this is another one of those instances where if you look at the full message of Jesus, full ministry, mm-hmm. this is not allowed to mean get rich and get ahead. Mm-hmm. So you have to understand it within what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It's like, hey, take any of my ridiculous comments from this podcast and just focus on the one <laughs> sentence. It looks super dumb. <laughs> It'd be really funny to have an episode of just totally nope. taken out Let's of context not do that. quotes from the podcast. Let's not do that because I will probably get canceled directly after that. <laughs> I don't know. Or you could get really popular. <laughs> well, you know, I'm all about using viral. my uh, my influence to get famous. <laughs> Shrewd manager. <laughs> all right. What else I got to you guys? Okay. So there's a, there's a story in here. Um, the rich man and Lazarus. So this story is important to me. One, there's, there's a lot of like little nuggets in the story. There's basically this man who dies um, one man goes to heaven, basically Abraham's bosom is what it actually says in context. Um, and the rich man goes down to the place of the dead, um, which is hell essentially like he's, you know, it says different things in different versions. That's why I'm hesitant to say, but, um, basically the point of the story is that Jesus is teaching that there's like plenty of ways to know God and be drawn to God already. So this rich man who's begging to go and tell his family to repent, Jesus is essentially teaching, like, there's been many, many messengers who have called your family to repent. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not going to change their hearts if you do it. Um, what's There's so many interesting things. One is that the way the editor puts this together, the way the chronological editor does this, basically he's saying, like, if someone would just rise from the dead and go tell them about God, they would listen. And literally right after this story, this editor is saying, Jesus goes and raises Lazarus from the dead, Mm -hmm. Um, which is very crazy. And the result of that story, we'll talk about tomorrow, but the result of that story is that people's hearts don't really change. There's Mm -hmm. not a lot. Well, the leaders, the people with the most hard hearts, they actually harden their hearts. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's also this idea out there. And if you you haven't spent a lot of time in church or if you haven't done a lot of like Christian thinking or whatever – um, you may not have ever heard of it, but there's this idea that's becoming more and more prominent among uh, progressive Christians, especially that Jesus never believed in hell. Um, it's very bizarre because if you look at even just this story, Jesus clearly has a concept of hell and of judgment and eternal separation. 
Um, actually, his particular version of eternal separation seems worse because you can actually see from hell the people in heaven who are enjoying relationship with God. That's crazy. That is very crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not sure. There, there's many ways that you can poke holes in this argument. I'm not sure how people can be comfortable believing that. Um, and it's just worth noting that it's not very wise to believe that because Jesus literally taught stories where there was an actual hell mm-hmm. and people went there. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Which, I mean which can be uncomfortable to talk about, but honestly, it should be a motivator for us. Like, like, you know, it's like to spread the gospel. I'm saying it's, it's a very popular thing currently to talk about how painful teaching on hell is, how hurtful it's been to people, how scared children become. I'm not saying you should do, um, what's that crazy, uh, hell's gates and heaven's flames. Like that crazy drama. That's just like, (laughs) Holy cow. Hell is so scary. Uh, maybe that's not the route we want to go, but I don't think the route to go is just to like, cut out a significant part of teaching of the Bible. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. we don't like, why do you wear a seatbelt? Cause you could die in a crash. Well, would people wear their seatbelts if we never talked about dying in a crash? No. Like it's important to teach about the consequences of bad behavior and bad decisions. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure why we as a faith community are scared of that. And mm-hmm. it could just be because we have a terrible past of just leveraging people with that. Yeah. that's probably um, But it is, it is sound Christian doctrine. Yeah. Um, so let's not be totally afraid of it. It's like, a, actually, there's a there's a little clip. It's old. But uh, Penn Jillette, he's like a magician. Um, and he's a, he's a, he's a deep thinker. Um, and so there's this clip on YouTube where he says, how much would you have to hate somebody to believe that you can have an eternal relationship with God and not tell them about it? And then the flip side of it is, it, how much would you have to hate someone to believe in a literal hell and never tell somebody that that existed? It's like, if I'm standing in front of a truck and it's about to mow me down and crash me and kill me, how much would you have to hate me to just let that happen? Mm. It's very, because he doesn't even believe in God, yeah. but he is like, hey, Christians that believe in a God and separation from God in hell, like, why would you not teach people about that? Mm. Yeah. Good point. That's why we have danger signs and all yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because you're just giving like a, a heads up, like, hey, guys, there's possible danger ahead yeah you know Mm -hmm. um do you just let people drive through and go down a cliff or do you (laughs) actually try to stop them or try to at least let them know you know ahead of time you know and that's why we keep coming back to this illustration of jesus like constantly going after people like it's Mm -hmm. constantly pursuing the person that's lost i mean it's jesus is not passive no um he's very much like pursuing and we should be the same way too just Mm -hmm. pursuing that person that is lost and doesn't believe. And there, there's there's way more to our faith than just like being saved from hell. Right. And I, like I grew up in circles where I would say that was like a primary teaching. Like, well, I'm saved from hell. It's like, no, you're actually like saved to redeem the earth and the people around you. Right. Um, so there's a funny like term like the frozen chosen. Like we're not the frozen <laughs> chosen, guys. <laughs> we yeah. don't just sit around and wait to die and go to heaven. Yeah. Like we can mm-hmm. we can bring redemption to our communities. Right. And it's important when you're sharing the gospel too. Again, like hell is just this component of it. But yeah. like when I talked about when I talk about the gospel with my kids, I actually I mean, hell is not something that I talk about often. Mm-hmm. Tais has asked me about it, and mm-hmm. I'm sure I had a very funny response to anyone looking on the outside. Because <laughs> I was like, ah, what do I say? Um, but when I talk about the gospel, I like when I'm like witnessing to, to Titus, cause he has not no Christ yet. Yeah, he has not yeah. made that personal decision yet. Um, I talk about like, Hey, this is what it means to have a Christian. It's not just like, or to be a Christian. It's not just, there's the eternity. Yes. That's very, very important. And it's like 
almost the crux of what we believe in. But also, when you have Christ, you have joy, you have peace, you have self-control. Mm-hmm. Um, you are able to, like, you're you're serving people, you're loving people. Like, when your sister does something bad to you, you can, like, think, oh, she's made in the image of God and I should honor her. Mm-hmm. And then you don't have to react the way that you would normally react when your sister does something bad to you. It's, like, things like that that the gospel is, like, we needed to preach the holistic message of it mm-hmm. um, and not just focus on single parts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely not the first go to. You don't just go with the right bad stuff. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Right. Yeah. Um. I I think like even growing up, you know, that was like the the first stop. Everyone would just tell you, if you don't serve Jesus, guess what? You go to hell. Right. You know. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, it was just point blank. So you grew up with fear versus mm-hmm. like falling in love with Christ. Mm-hmm. Yes. And knowing like that sacrifice was done for me. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think. That is has been turned around a little bit more, where you're more first, like, God is love. He gave his son, Jesus. Like, there's more, like, building on that relationship of yeah. love, you know? Because mm-hmm. I guess even when we're, like, going out and stuff with your, like, before you got married or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. you're going out and stuff like that. Like, I didn't know all the family drama <laughs> offhand, you know yeah. what I mean? I knew of that love that I met him and then I grew to love more like okay, if all this comes behind, who cares, you know? Mm-hmm. Because I'm just in love and mm-hmm. I I want to be married and I want to spend eternity with you. Mm-hmm. So none of that matters and then that becomes like okay, yeah, it's there but mm-hmm. it's not what I live for. Mm-hmm. Right. I live for Christ, not for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So right. yeah. I and I think it's good to show the kids that too. The excitement about being in love with Christ, yeah. you know, yeah. and and it's not about like all the bad things. It's mm-hmm. that's a part of it, but remember Christ, you yeah. know, and what he he's done and all that. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I do want to point out that in the story of the prodigal son, uh, I love this. Just this kind of fun fact. Um, there's a verse in there that says, "So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming." Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son and embraced him and kissed him. And the last time that we saw language like this, it's almost almost word for word, is when Esau runs and embraces Jacob. Mm-hmm. And I love this picture of someone who has been wronged, actively choosing forgiveness and just running after that person and forgiving them and embracing them. Um, Esau did that to Jacob, and um, the father does this to the son, and that's a picture of what Jesus does for us it's just mm-hmm. it's not like holding a record of wrongs mm-hmm. it's act of forgiveness and act of love i love it i don't like that they didn't tell us that lazarus came back from the dead yet <laughs> no we'll have to cover that tomorrow guys as far as we know lazarus is still dead. you're gonna listen to the reading you're gonna be like what happened next <laughs> um guys thank you so much for listening today to god's whole story and we'll be back tomorrow bye see ya Luke 14, 25. A large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, If you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else, your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. And don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started the building and couldn't afford to finish it. 
Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him? And if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. Salt is good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? Flavorless salt is good neither for soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown away. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. The tax collectors and other notorious sinners, notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such, such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call on her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he went, returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for the son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf, and we are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Jesus told this story to his disciples. There was a certain rich man who had a manager handling his affairs. One day a report came that the manager was wasting his employer's money, so the employer called him in and said, What's this I hear about you? Get your report in order because you are going to be fired. 
The manager thought to himself, now what? My boss has fired me. I don't have the strength to dig ditches and I'm too proud to beg. Uh, I know how to ensure that I'll have plenty of friends who will give me a home when I am fired. So he invited each person who owed money to his employer to come and discuss the situation. He asked the first one, how much do you owe him? The man replied, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. So the manager told him, take the bill and quickly change it to 400 gallons. And how much do you owe my employer? He asked the next man. I owe him 1,000 bushels of wheat, was the reply. Here, the manager said, take the bill and change it to 800 bushels. The rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. And it is true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than the children of the light. Here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. If you are faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with the other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. The Pharisees, who dearly loved their money, heard all this and scoffed at him. Then he said to them, You like to appear righteous in public, but God knows your hearts. What this world honors is detestable in the sight of God. Until John the Baptist, the law of Moses, and the message, messages of the prophets were your guides. But now the good news of the kingdom of God is preached, and everyone is eager to get in. But that doesn't mean that the law has lost its force. It's easier for heaven and earth to disappear than for the smallest point of God's law to be overturned. For example, a man divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery, and anyone who marries a woman divorced from her husband commits adultery. Jesus said there was a certain man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen and who lived each day in luxury. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Finally, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. The rich man also died and was buried, and he went to the place of the dead. There, in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am in anguish in these flames. But Abraham said to him, Son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted and Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here being comforted and you are in anguish. And besides, there is a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here and no one can cross over to us from there. Then the rich man said, Please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home. For I have five brothers and I want him to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. The rich man replied, No, Father Abraham, if, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, If they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't be persuaded, even if someone rises from the dead. One day Jesus said to his disciples, There will always be temptations to sin, but what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting? It would be better to be thrown into the sea with a millstone hung around your neck than to cause one of these little ones to fall into sin. So watch yourselves. If another believer sins, rebuke that person. Then if there is repentance, forgive. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day, and each time turns again and asks forgiveness, you must forgive. The apostle said to the Lord, Show us how to increase our faith. The Lord answered, If you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to the small berry tree, May you be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. When a servant comes in from plowing or taking care of the sheep, does his master say, Come in and eat with me? 
No, he says, prepare my meal, put on your apron and serve me while I eat. Then you can eat later. And does the master thank the servant for doing what he is told to do? Of course not. In the same way, when you obey me, you should say we are unworthy servants who have simply done our duty. John 11, 1. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick, so the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God, so the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there is a danger of stumbling because they have no light. Then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, and now I will go and wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he is sleeping, he will soon get better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there, for now you will really believe. Come, let's go to see him. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go to and die with Jesus. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died, but even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep, so they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. But some said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, it means a lot to us, even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the whole 
longer that it happened. Um, if you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, we would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, you can either send us a DM or you could actually email us at podcast at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you. And if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.